You're listening to a sermon by Covenant Church. I invite you to turn to the book of Colossians. It's page 983, the Bible's under the chairs. You're free to take one of those Bibles. And I'm going to, uh, we're going to look at a somewhat controversial passage this morning, but I want to start by reviewing where we've been. Where have we been? What's God's word been saying to us? So Colossians is coaching for spiritual growth. The Apostle Paul's heard about this church. He's in prison. He writes this letter to encourage their spiritual growth, and he prays for them in the beginning, uh, the opening chapter, that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Prays for these new Christians. I pray you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We've talked about how a walk, that's the, that's the way you say your life, your walk, what you walk out, live out daily. So he's coaching them for spiritual growth. We looked at how salvation is received, not achieved. It's received. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. They're told, look, don't add. You've got to, how you become a Christian is you receive Christ. You receive the news, the message of what Jesus has done. You receive that and believe it and turn from sin. He urges them not to add to the gospel. Okay, just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, continue in that. Don't add to it and mess it up. So salvation is received, not achieved. Some of us here today are watching online. Look, it is, it's time. Receive Christ. Turn from sin and receive Jesus. The invitation is open. Some of us here, look, um, we've been saying this again and again. It's time to receive him. Don't put that off. So salvation is received, not achieved, and yet, and also, there's effort in spiritual growth. It, there is effort. I have this Dallas, Dallas Willard quote for you. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. We don't earn salvation. That's true. It's by grace. But God actually calls us to seek to grow, right? Seek to grow. We put off the old lifestyle and put on the new lifestyle. God's word called, called us last week to be who we really are in Christ. God's word says, look, be who you really are in Christ. Put off the old lifestyle, put on the new lifestyle. And the image, the language, it's clothing language. You put off the old clothes of the old lifestyle because it doesn't fit who you really are. It doesn't fit who you really are anymore. You are in Christ. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. So put off, like you would take off old clothes that don't fit, don't match who you are anymore. Take off the old because of who you really are in Christ. Be who you really are. So God's word said last week, we listened to it, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, seen talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So 
What's the gospel motivation? The motivation is because of who you really are is in Christ. That's the real, uh, Colossians uses this even mysterious language. Your life is hid with Christ and God. That's who you really are. Put off the patterns of behavior that don't fit who you really are. The motivation is from security, not for security. So it doesn't say, hey, put off anger, rage, malice, and slander so that someday maybe you could be a Christian. It says, no, put off all those things and don't lie to another because you have put those things off. You're united to Jesus. You're united to Jesus. The motivation is from security, not for security. Be who you already are in Christ. So speaking to the saved people of Jesus, listen to how they're called to a different lifestyle. Colossians 3, starting at verse 12. Put on then, it's clothing language again, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. See, there's the motivation. You're already holy because your sins are forgiven in Jesus. So righteousness is placed on you. You're already loved in Jesus. Put on the things that fit that. Compassion and hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also, so you also must forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we looked at last week, we're called as holy and beloved people through Jesus in the gospel. Because we're loved in Christ, holy in Jesus, because of the work of Jesus. Put on the new qualities of the Christian life and put on the new practices of the Christian life. There's new qualities and new practices. The new qualities, that's the compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Um, one way to think about this, we breathe out on others what we breathe in. From God, like we're loved in him, forgiven in him, we receive this kindness. Breathe that in, what we receive from God through Jesus, and breathe that out on other people. Um, you know who has the easiest time forgiving other people? Those who realize that they themselves are deeply forgiven. So put on the new qualities and put on the new practices. Okay, and they, they go together. The new practices are basically, look, the Word of God and the worship of God. Uh, Rob just announced two new open groups. I, I love that this church has so many different kinds of groups. So many, you know, men's gatherings, women's gatherings, mixed groups, different kinds of gatherings that around the Word of God so that God's Word can dwell in us richly. It's really, really important, the Word of God, and getting around it and speaking to each other about it and praying for each other. It's just a normal part of growing as a Christian. Um, 
to have the word of God in your life and to pr practice hearing the word of God with other people. I love that almost 100 students are coming Sunday night. I love that the fact there's a bunch of young adults that meet on Tuesday night. I like to step out of elders meeting and just peek in there like an older uncle who's just like proud of them. Look at this going on here. All these young people getting around the word of God and praying for each other and with each other. It's really, really good. It's really important. And by the way, two new open groups, if you're not in a group. The word of God is basic. The worship of God. What we did in song, uh, singing hymns, spiritual songs, and there's ministry. We're ministering to each other and speaking to the Lord and honoring God when we do that. So new practices, new qualities. And the last line, it's kind of a summary thing. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to apply the new pattern of life to the large ancient household. I'm going to explain a little bit how this is extended family. This is every kind of employee and bond servant. This is uh, multiple families with children together. It's a complicated thing. It's not just a small nuclear family. Some of this passage is going to seem really controversial. So I'm going to ask you to do three things. First thing is don't simply react. Be patient. Let's really look at it together. Second thing is don't stereotype. Let's like actually do some thinking and look at the Word of God. And third, be open. Just be open. How would the Lord speak to us this morning? How would the Lord speak to you? Uh, and if any of this is really upsetting, please follow up by calling Rob Chifakoyo at home after 10 p.m. And I made that joke at 9 a.m., and he really laughed hard, and so I wanted to make it again just to bless him. All right, so new qualities of the Christian life, new practices of the Christian life, and then the Apostle Paul says this, chapter 3, starting in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is God's word. Now, um, the ancient household wasn't just the nuclear family. Led by a head of house, most often a man, not always. Actually, the next chapter in Colossians, the Apostle Paul greets Nympha and the church in her house. So he greets a head of household that happens to be a woman. You would have extended family. You would often have multiple businesses that ran in that household. Okay? So there needed to be leadership for all that. You would have bond servants. And I'm going to explain later how you could actually, uh, if you were in debt, 
one way people got out of debt in the ancient world, you sold your work for a number of years. That's why they're called bond servants. You sold yourself in the service and that kind of servant, um, you could purchase your freedom eventually if you wanted to get out early. And this is uh, also who the Apostle Paul uh, addresses. And bond servants actually sometimes own property of their own. So it's a, it's a different household. It's not just uh, a small nuclear family. Now notice what's different in this Colossians household code. And I'm going to quote Aristotle in a couple minutes, and you're going to see, oh, this is different. Notice what's different in Colossians. First thing is this. Everyone's addressed. Everyone's talked to. Men, women, husbands, wives, children, bondservants. Everyone has a calling from the Lord. Oh, you're the boss? Oh, you have a calling from the Lord. Oh, you're a child? You have a calling from the Lord. Every kind of person. Know what other ancient household codes? Know what they did? They addressed the man in charge. So Aristotle's famous household code, he only talks to uh, the male leader and he uses the language of rule. Aristotle simply said, quote, a husband and father rules over wife and children. Very different. The Apostle Paul writes this letter. It's going to be read by everybody. And Jesus changes all the relationships in the household. Let the Lord shape your behavior. This is clear. It's clear Christian calling for those who have any kind of leadership authority and for those under any kind of leadership and authority. Bond sermons, guess what? Serve the Lord ultimately. Masters, be just and fair. You a master in heaven. Let the Lord, no matter who you are, shape your behavior. The Lord is to shape every relationship. And a refrain in the passage is the Lord. You're serving the Lord Christ. This pleases the Lord. You will receive from the Lord a reward. Do what is, quote, as have behavior that is fitting in the Lord. The Lord, the Lord. It's as if the Lord is in and to shape every relationship. Now, um, let's just go through the passage kind of section by section. First, let me address the most controversial, right? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with, do not be harsh with them. I have to address this briefly, but here's part of the problem, right? The word submit is radioactive. Right, that's the radioactive word. We don't have a conception where that could mean respectful cooperation with a leader. It means respectful cooperation with a leader and a listening to a leader. Uh, we think no matter the initial reaction in Western context is that this must be bad. Notice a few things. This is not all women everywhere submitting to men in general. This is husbands, wives. Doesn't mean that women are somehow less than men. By the way, this is not permitting or encouraging abuse. No. A wife's respectful cooperation with the leadership of a husband is qualified by, quote, as is fitting in the Lord. This shapes what this means. It also limit what it, limit, it limits what it means. Does it mean to violate your conscience as a Christian? 
Doesn't mean a wife should put up with any kind of abuse. Doesn't mean you let the husband drive the family off a cliff. Doesn't mean you don't disagree. Actually, a, a smart husband actually wants a strong wife who can check him into the boards when he's skating the wrong way, right? Actually welcomes, balance, insight. Now, about the abuse part, I want to um, just be clear about this. Think how Scripture uh, to physically abuse because of a passage like this you have to forget that whole paragraph that I read before. Here, here are the new qualities of the Christian life. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Does that sound like an abusive person? Explicitly, uh, what's forbidden is being harsh. How, If being harsh is forbidden, how much more uh, must Scripture be twisted to be abusive? Husbands are told to love. And what's the model for love? Colossians is kind of the Cliff Notes version of the letter. In Ephesians, what's a sentence in Colossians is expanded on in Ephesians. How is a husband's love for his wife expanded in Ephesians? Listen to God's word. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the model for husband, for a husband is to love in a self-sacrificing kind of way. The model for a husband is to love and serve in a Jesus kind of way who gave himself up for the church. Verse 28 of Ephesians 5, the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. You don't abuse your body, you take care of your body. And listen to how it's summed up in the end. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So husbands called to love is to imitate the love of Christ. Use your strength to serve in a Christ-like way. And what's the problem that's being addressed, okay, in the beginning of the Bible is a description of humanity's fall and the sin. And with the entrance of sin actually becomes curse. And one of the areas of life that's cursed is actually the relationship between genders. Um, curse comes into the world. Curse comes into the relationship between man and woman. And what would be beautiful partnership and celebration of difference. Men and women are different, and it's a good thing. And there's actually a complementing that happens. There's meant to be a beautiful partnership. And what happens because of sin is Oh, God says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Now we're going to disagree. Now there's going to be conflict. And the scripture says, and he shall rule over you. So actually, the mistreatment of women in history and today is from the entrance of sin into humanity. In Christ... A man is called to use his strength not to selfishly dominate, to get his own way, but to lead through sacrificial service and self-giving. That's what it is. Wives, what would the opposite of respectful cooperation be? Would be, oh, we could think about it. It could be being manipulative, being controlling. Uh, wives, cooperate with your husband's leadership, quote, as is fitting in the Lord. 
the submission here is a respectful listening to encouragement and cooperation with their leadership. Give them the gift of respect because of your respect to the Lord. Uh, Dr. Julie Slattery, Slattery, who I'm going to quote in our series on sexuality next month, but she talks about how a wife can, quote, use all of her God-given influence to build her husband's ability to lead. She shares our ideas, plans, feelings in a way that builds his confidence. Later, she says, quote, she encourages wives to basically say with their behavior and to communicate, I know you're not perfect, but I trust God's work in your life. And I believe you're capable of being a great leader for a family that God has called you to be. That's a respectful cooperation. Is it true that this society was more men-led than ours? Yes. Uh, also, um, wives, don't you want your husband to feel a special responsibility to lay down his life for you and your family in a Christ-like way? Um, would you not be willing to follow that kind of a leader if a, like, a leader uses authority to lay down himself for the sake of others and for you and the family. So wives and husbands, hear the call to have marriage shaped by our calling in Christ. Hear the call to have the Lord shape our attitudes and behavior in marriage. Okay, let's not forget the big point. The Lord is now to be in every relationship every relationship. Um, in the family of Jesus, we need to encourage each other to have the Lord in the relationship, especially when it's difficult, especially when the other person is struggling in some way. What does it mean to have the Lord shape our attitude and behavior in marriage? Keep on thinking about that. And we're going to continue in the next section. Okay, there's a line. Children, parents, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What's promoted here, specifically, um, want to address students. We have almost 100 students coming out Sunday night. What's specifically promoted here is a God-oriented listening. Okay, from sixth grade to the time you're a senior in high school, you will have more and more freedom, right? You can break more expensive toys, you can do more stuff, go more places, drive cars, stay out later. Uh, sometimes in the scripture, kids are told to obey because, hey, your parents love you. They're telling you stuff that's good for you. Uh, this is going to be good for you. And that's true. But that's not what's said here. It's said simply, this will please the Lord. I just want to speak directly to students. Your parents love you. Sometimes they limit your freedom. Sometimes they're like, look, you got to come home here, not then. I'm not going to let you do everything you want with your phone or have all the access you want, go anywhere. Will you listen to what they're saying to you as a Christian exercise of faith 
Think like this actually pleases the Lord, and it'll be especially hard when you don't get it. Why? Or you might disagree. You might look at, hey, these other people get to do this, and I don't get to do that. And you disagree. Will you listen simply because this pleases the Lord? This pleases the Lord. That's the call. And fathers explicitly, but this applies to both parents, it said, don't provoke your children. Don't make it hard for them, lest they be discouraged. Don't provoke them with rules that are arbitrary. Have the Lord shape every relationship. Just as in marriage, in the parent-son-daughter relationship, have the Lord shape every relationship. Let's move on to the bondservant's masters. Now, let me explain what a bondservant was. When we think servant, we think race-based kidnapping kind of slavery. This is different. Uh, a lot of the bondservants were what we would call indentured servanthood. People, uh, early on in the history of our nation, people couldn't get the United States, and they said, I will sell years of my service, pay my way to America, and I will serve you for so many years. Some of the bondservants were paid, some owned property or even held an office in a town. Freedom could be purchased. Some people sold themselves in the service to get out of some kind of debt. There's a different heart that Paul actually practices personally in relation to people who had the status of bondservant. I'm going to read to you from the book of Philemon. And Philemon is a master of a bondservant. And the, his servant runs away, ends up becoming a Christian. He's probably led to the Lord by Paul. Philemon himself also had become a Christian. I think also led to the Lord by Paul. So Paul's like right in the middle. Anisimus had run away. Okay, so he's essentially uh, Philemon's out that time period of service. Could have been years. Listen to what the Apostle Paul models, what he practices. He writes a letter to Philemon, who, by the way, was in Colossians, and this note might have also come with the book of Colossians. He says, verse 10, I appeal to you for my child, Amesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Means like he's a father in the faith. Formerly he was useless to you. Now he's indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. So he's saying like, I love this guy so much. I would have been glad to keep him with me or that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness may not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Say nothing of you, of your owing me, even your own self. 
So there it is. He probably led Philemon to the Lord. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul encourages Philemon to treat Onesimus as a brother in Christ, a beloved brother. So in there, Paul's kind of in the middle of the situation. Have the Lord shape this relationship. There is a possible deep wrong done. If he owes you, if he skipped out on you, Paul says, hey, I'm writing this. You will recognize my handwriting. It really is me. I will repay it. Charge it to me. Obviously saying, let's have Jesus shape what happened here. Let's have Jesus in this hard situation. Let's have the lordship of Jesus shape this relationship. And that same apostle, okay, he can give this instruction. Let's go to uh, Colossians 3. Bond servants, think about these employees, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do work heartily is for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bod servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Paul acts like the Lord is in the relationship, and he expects these bond servants, for however long they're going to be in that service, actually because they're Christians, they ought to be better servants. Because they're Christians, and this is true, okay, about your employ- you're being an employee of some kind. Because you're a Christian, you ought to be a better employee. Notice how many times Lord is mentioned, because we fear the Lord, we work as for the Lord, it's from the Lord that we expect reward. Masters, hey, by the way, yeah, you too have a master, so you better be just and fair. Paul acts like in all of our relationships, we bring in the Lord. We bring in the Lord. This means, okay, especially when your employer, when your boss is not fair. Um, I have some I have some bosses that were hard to follow just because there was one in particular. I used to do maintenance at a, at a golf course, and the boss was a low talker, and so we never knew what exactly he was saying. It's like, I want you guys to go out to green six, seven, four, mower, weed whacker and stuff, and do this stuff, and the back and bean, and then do with the mower. And we're like, and we're all afraid to say, we don't know exactly what you want us to do. And they'd get mad because we didn't know what to do. That's a funny example. Sometimes a bad boss, it's way less funny. All right? It's just unfair. It's just unkind. Or you get in trouble for stuff that's not your fault. Or you're not recognized the way you should be. And it's just hard and sad especially when it's hard, okay? And this applies for those of us who lead other people in some way. For those of us, if you have people you're supervising and your employees maybe aren't doing what they should be doing, 
How can you be just and fair? How can you bring the Lord in that relationship just for you? Maybe you don't mention the, you're not going to mention the Lord to them, but just in your own heart, in your own behavior, what's it mean to bring the Lord into the relationship? And so I want to end, before we go to the table, I just want to ask you, what relationship in your life do you especially need to bring the Lordship of Jesus? What relationship do you need to uh, heed the call of the Lord in it? What is it that God's calling you to put off behavior-wise? Because it doesn't fit who you are in Christ. What are you called to put off attitude and behavior-wise? Because it doesn't fit who you really are in Christ. What is God actually calling you to put on because of who you are in Christ? Let's bring that to Jesus, okay? Can I pray for us as we prepare to come to the table? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that uh, this table reminds us that we have forgiveness in you. We actually have your presence and your blessing. Uh, You set apart this bread and this cup for a special use. Would you come minister to us? We pray we'd come believing and we pray we'd come repenting both. May we all come believing and repenting. Lord, we need you. Uh, We pray that we invite your presence in, especially to the relationships where there's disappointment and hardship and suffering and sin. Lord, please help us. Please be present and feed our faith as we receive uh, this supper. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to connect with us on our website at covenantdwellstown.org to watch live on Sunday mornings. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook.